Welcome to The Wheel Reads, a Wheel of Time podcast. Your hosts are Alan, Chris, and Ian. This podcast is safe for first-time readers with no spoilers. This week, we'll be covering chapters 19, 20, and 21 of The Dragon Reborn, Awakening, Visitations, and The World of Dreams. Enjoy. All right, welcome to Season 3, Episode 8. This is actually our 52nd episode, so we've been doing this for an entire year. So, yay! Um, We made it the whole year. It still baffles me. Um, (laughs) Yeah, it's crazy. So we recorded our first ever episode on January 7th, 2020. So in two days will actually be our official anniversary of our first recording. Our first release date was January 15th. So, how many days um, has it been? Can't trust that calendar. I don't know. I, I'm not doing. I'm not doing the math. <laughs> I, I am not doing math tonight. Sorry. Because when did it leap year? So we're at uh, least a day closer. Here. Yeah, we're a little bit closer. Okay. Than, than okay. It seems. Okay. Um. Oh, I don't know. These are things I do not know. Um. So yeah, one year. Yay. Um, so before I get into anything else, I'm going to go ahead and announce our new patrons because we have a ton of them. Uh, thank you guys so much. We have four new patrons. Um, since what? Last time. Yeah, it's yeah, awesome. phenomenal. I know. It's insane. Um, we have Mr. Roboto, Domo uh, Omogato. Uh, we have the Village Mattress. Thank you. Uh, very, very um, appreciative of the mattress being here. Uh, I think it's pronounced Charmy. Um, uh, and then the last one is Red Shango. Is that how you pronounce it? Um, if I mess it up, I'm sorry. We still love you. Thank you so much for your patronage and uh, supporting us and what we do. Um, it actually goes to things like buying me a new mic and them a new mic and, and giving away stuff. So speaking of giveaways, in celebration of one year, I am doing two giveaways this month. Um, one thing I'm giving away, I'm going to give away a copy of the Dragon Reborn hardcover. Uh, I'll do that via Twitter. So check the Twitter Twitters uh, either tonight after we're done, depending on what time we get done, or tomorrow. Because um, I'm sober, I'll probably do it tonight. Uh, sometimes <laughs> I say the same night, and then I drink, drink, and drink, and then by the time I'm done podcast, I'm like, I don't remember anything. So <laughs> do we expect um, anything less? That's yeah, good old. So, it's good old yeah. uh, COVID quarantine Tuesdays. Gosh, they were so yeah. good. <laughs> Bad. So, good. I mean, however you want to look at it. So anyone listening live tonight, uh, go to Twitter. Um, otherwise, if you don't listen live, hopefully you guys will see it and, and share it and retweet it so everybody that doesn't listen can still join in the contest on Twitter for a free copy of The Dragon Reborn. Um and then to make things more fun, so one thing that someone brought up is a lot of times when I do these giveaways, I announce to the live chat, but then by the time the episode comes out, we've already finished um, the giveaway and we're announcing the winner. So no, no one had a chance to actually – hear the episode, it's too late to enter the contest, if that makes sense, uh, for the adult listen live. Um, and oftentimes live recordings are only for patrons only. So in order to do something a little bit different this time, our second giveaway – what we're going to do is it's not going to open up until next week. So 
If you're here this live, sorry, you can't do it yet, but there's a channel in our Discord server that's going to appear, and it's simply pick a number, and that's what it's, that's what it, that's what's going to be called, and you pick a number, 1 through 100. Um, I've already told Ian and Chris what that number is, and they're not allowed to share it. So in a mm. week, when we release the episode, I'll open that channel to everyone. You guys can then join our Discord if you're listening to this now on whatever service you listen to it. Come join our Discord. Um, if you can't find how to join Discord, DM me, ask me. I'll tell you how to find it. I'll send you a link. Um, so join the Discord. It's a pick a number. Go there. Pick a number. Um, if you're the first person to get the number right, um, is going to win a will reach shot glass because it's one year. Take shots. That's that's what we're gonna do. We have a gold rim shot glass from our merch store that uh, I'll send out to whoever picks the right number first. You so that gold that. rim. So I'll be auctioning yeah. off the number. Later on tonight, <laughs> Kuma's going to take a take a, a highest bid gets the number bid for the number. <laughs> there you go. So, so yeah. So if you're listening to this, uh, that that contest is going to open up that day I release the episode. I probably won't do it at the same time I release the episode. Give some people people some time to listen to it. But um, next Tuesday, at some point during the day, there's a channel that'll open up on the Discord server. Pick a number. Make it a little fun. Also, get some more people to join our Discord that listen to us uh, if they want a shot glass. So, lots of fun. Um, so, as far as numbers and anything else going on, um, no new milestones. Oh, yeah, we hit 200 Instagram followers. Uh, and I don't, do anything, I don't do anything on Instagram. So, I mean, I, I, I just blast memes. Cause that's all I, mean, that's all I know how to use yeah. Instagram. Yeah, I mean, back in March and April, that was the best thing because you kept going. Uh, yeah, it's quarantine day. Yeah, it, yeah. The, the, I mean, I, I sometimes do real time memes, but it's mostly just just random memes that I find that I, that I, I think is. I funny. saw I saw where you posted the one with Lucy and the football, and it was like uh-huh. I'm coming back, and you were like, "Sure, uh, I'm glad someone put that together." Whoever did the editing, thank you. That's exactly yeah. what I had in my mind. That was perfect. Yeah, so if you guys haven't seen that, go ahead and look at the Charlie Brown. Um, that was Zul that did that. Oh, but, um, Zul. Yeah, and speaking of Zul, happy birthday, Zul. It's her birthday, birthday today. Woo! Happy so, birthday to you. <laughs> happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, our most favorite Zul. Happy birthday to you. And many more. I like happy birthday regular song. You haven't listened long enough and you've been listening from the beginning. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I exactly. threw in a little bit of the Marilyn Monroe version at the end. I don't know if you caught it, but um yeah. There you go. Wink. <laughs> also, another thing that we started doing was location. So uh talk about a location where we have listeners from. This is another location that I've been to and it's near and dear to my heart. It's actually where our wife and I honeymooned. Um, and I actually lived there for a short, very short period of time, which was Thailand. Yay, Thailand. We have listeners from Thailand. So thank you guys for listening. Um, if, if it's someone I, I knew from my travels, I'm sorry that you knew me in that stage of my life. It was, <laughs> it was an interesting time. <laughs> but thanks for listening. Um, I, I don't keep in touch with anyone from those days, so I don't know if it is, but that'd be weird if it is. Um, but yeah, so, um, 
it, 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 Thailand's a wonderful, beautiful place, beautiful people, and a lot of fun. So um, thank you, listeners in Thailand. Awesome. Um, as far as yeah, as far as personal stuff go, is going on, um, Christmas is over, New Year's is over. Uh, we we made it to a new year, whatever that means. A great year, uh, a fantastic great year. year. Everything's looking wonderful. Everything's looking up. Twenty twenty one. Thank you. It's going to be great. Yes. Um, that good. Christmas. That Christmas. Uh, we still haven't celebrated Christmas with my family yet because we have a round of, of that that disease that might not that it's not supposed to be speaking of going around my family. So, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've had different people within my family get the, get the good old Rona or the vid, whatever you want to call it, the COVID. Um, so they've been uh, uh, in and out. So we haven't been able to get together as a family because once one person has it, the other person has it. And it's just been, we're just yeah, waiting yeah. for everyone, everyone to be not COVID free. And then we're going to do Christmas. So it looks like we're going to do Christmas on January 16th. Fun. <laughs> yeah, it's so, a three-day weekend. Yeah, exactly. So you, could, you could party hard, and then you have time to recover. <clears throat> exactly. Yeah. Um, and New Year's was fun. Um, I don't know. Chris, what did you do for New Year's? Ian and I hung out together. So what would you do? <laughs> well, I had Chanel in town. So yeah. we, believe it or not, we went to the Celebration of Lights in Newport News. Uh, my birthday was the 30th. So thank you for those that wish me a happy birthday. I appreciate Yay. that. Um, it's been a tradition since I was 12, so the last 21 years, um, to go to the Celebration of Lights either on or the day after my birthday. So that's what we did. We did Celebration of Lights, which is one of those huge, like, kitschy little light shows that's good for kids, but adults secretly enjoy it, too. I not so secretly enjoy it. I love it. <laughs> um, I did that, and then had Italian food, which is phenomenal, and tried a couple new bottles of wine and just relaxed. It was really nice to bring in the new year in a very calm environment. And then we went to bed at about 3 o'clock. Nice. Yeah. 2021. Hoorah. Brought it in right. How about you, uh, Ian? Anything new exciting? Uh, well... I'll let I'll let you talk about the New Year's festivities and the uh, the the boot with the um, with the spiders, but um, no. So uh, I think I've mentioned it here before. Like I've I've started dabbling with the online dating, and it's that whole concept is still a little awkward for me. But you know, I'm why not, right? Um, I think I try. I try to remain jaded and all, but I'm still that hopeless romantic. So, hope oh, you know, maybe I find somebody to grow old with. So, anyways, uh, I was joking with people because some of the responses of people I got contacted me, it was like, "Gosh, I don't want to be judgmental, but just weird people and weird requests and stuff in my inbox. I just, I don't know. I didn't want to deal with, right? Mm-hmm. So, I, I joked about, um, you know, maybe I'll just start. You know, instead of pictures of me using pictures of all the food I cook and I'll put up a picture of my like clean bathroom and all that jazz. And, you know, a normal girl would probably look at that and be like, oh, man, you know, he could do chores and cook and he cleans up after himself. This one's a keeper. So I did that. And do either of you have your uh, Facebook oh, messenger open? Hold on. I, I need you to read it, Alan. Can you open it? Uh, let me see if I can get it open. Do you have uh, it? If I read it, it won't uh, be as good. But as he's pulling that up, like tonight, man. 
tonight, what I posted in the Trollocs Cookpot in our Discord, I put as my profile picture on one of my online dating apps. Okay? And within 10 minutes, if Alan pulls it up and reads it, this is the response I got. Within 10 minutes, you got, you seem like a kind, the kind of man who is plenty confident. But just in case you need a little extra boost this evening, your profile photo is pretty incredible. I want to know I what that profile not, photo is. I should you not. It was pork tenderloin over um, a bed of green beans, carrots, garlic, and mushrooms. I think I've seen that. Didn't you post it on Facebook? Yeah, yeah, lightly seasoned. I tell yeah. you what, man, reel it him in. So, anyways, I have a date for it. I would even marry um, Ian after looking at all the food he cooks. <laughs> What's crazy is it worked. Uh, you know, fuck it, whatever. <laughs> and and it's kind of cool because. You know, if I land a girl that appreciates that, those are things I enjoy doing. So mm-hmm. I, I love cooking, yeah. and if she's down with that, yeah. But they say yeah. the fastest, fastest way to a girl's heart is her stomach, right? Is that- <laughs> 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 you can actually see the picture of Ian and his like his muscle moment. That was a very um, beautiful one too, Ian. I just want you to know that I was very, very much impressed. Yeah. I am going to tell you a secret. Uh, the mirrors in that gym are a little baby, and they're almost like circus mirror. So I found the exact spot that made my top half look swole, and it erased my belly. But it's actually the exact opposite of that. I, I don't have a, I don't have like a flat tire or like a muffin top. I got a busted can of biscuits. That's what I'm working with. But I did circus magic with the photo. Okay, you did a hell of a job, then. Great job. Nice. Very, very nice. Well, let's go ahead and get into this episode. Um, so quick predictions. I, I don't have a whole lot from last last time, but um, one was that Matt was not really healed um, or not fully healed. That was from last week. Um, and then uh, that one of the predictions you guys made is that Landfear is not in the tower. I asked. I even asked you guys, do you guys think Landfear is in the tower? You're like, no, no, there's no way she's in the tower. So we'll talk about that later. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Technically, she's not. It's okay. She goes by Celine. Okay. Huge difference. <laughs> Uh, sure. Now you got sure. us. You got us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So let's go ahead and move right into chapter 19, Awakening. And the icon is five pair or five dice. Um yeah, so this is actually also fun because this is our first Matt point of view in the entire series. So if you guys haven't noticed, there's never been a single chapter where it's been from inside Matt's head. This is the first one. So excited. And yeah, I was severely surprised by, by being inside of Matt's head. Yeah. Here's the downside to this being the first time in his head. I actually really appreciated the the conversations he had with himself. But did he always think through things this way? Or is this a result of what he's gone through? It'd be nice if there was one early on and you had this back and forth with himself inside his head, making decisions on what he'd do, what he could do, that sort of thing, and then acting. But anyways, either way, still cool. I was super excited about it. Sure. Like I said, it was super surprising being inside of Matt's head for me because it was so well put together. I expected so much more disorganization and chaos, and though he was kind of beside himself, he was working through things so quickly and he was just like impressive. 
Right. Yeah, maybe not the internal monologue you would think from a wild card. No, which not the at all. Wild, which the wild card thing has been reinforced recently. Like, exactly. uh, anyways, yeah, yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. And then I, I know we we haven't talked about the icons in a while. But what do you guys think about the dice icon? Chris, am I wrong in remembering that the way they were described it was different types of dice, and these all look the same? Yeah, right. There are well, there's two. There's different types of dice sets. Yeah. So yeah, that's what it was. There's two different types of sets: ones with the uh, crowns, crowns, and yeah, ones yeah. with the, um, the pips. Was, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So anyway, not not as important, but yeah, uh, dice. I, I mean, if you remember back to before Matt, when Matt wasn't as 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 daggery, he definitely liked to dice all the time. You know, well, it's the, the gamble. Yeah. I think is what it's alluding to because we now have Matt thinking. And we have Matt being pulled in different directions. And now it's like, who's he going to roll the dice on? Who's he going to, you know, gamble with? Who's he going to, you know, who's he going to bet on? Like, that's a good question. I want to know who is Matt's allegiance going to end up with? Yeah. Yeah. And, and like to play on that a little bit, like, hasn't Matt always seemed the one to like not care about the odds? Like if there's a chance, so you're telling me there's a chance? Like, fuck the odds. We're good. Let's do it, right? <laughs> so, yeah. Anyways, time, time to roll the dice. Exactly. <laughs> anyway, so let's jump into this chapter. So Matt wakes up and he's in this really super expensive bed, and he's having trouble remembering anything from the past year. Um, he's not even sure what's real or not. So he's kind of like, you get this sense that, um, like, he's just very, very disoriented. He's trying to figure out where he is, and he's kind of putting pieces together, but it's really just, just like almost like amnesia. Like he's forgot a lot. So, before we get into a, a memory, he starts to have. What do you guys think about this opening scene? Um, I mean, obviously, he's disoriented. He's 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 just been healed from the dagger. Yeah. I I think it's it's so well written. And I immediately started thinking about the show. And, uh, you know, I'm not a producer, director, or anything like that. But, like, how do you do a scene like this? Because you ha- you have to have that internal dialogue. So do you ha- – but, like, I mean, it'd be too cheesy to just have a voice in his head talking as he's sitting there eating or whatever. Like, do they make up something for him to talk to? Like, he's talking to something he's familiar with? That he unless, unless it's Morgan Freeman's voice, and then it's always good. Oh, that's true. So I don't know. <laughs> I, I might just started wondering how you do this because there has to be multiple aha moments along the way to sell how like he was in this daze, this fog, and then the memories are like kind of coming back to him, and he's like, "Oh, wait a minute, this. Oh, wait a minute, this. Oh my gosh, the horn." Like, mm-hmm. I, I just immediately started thinking. First of all, this is awesome, but secondly, man, I hope they do this justice because they have to do this. This is. This yeah. is critical for Matt, his character. You know, do they do it in flashes though, or like I, I agree with your statement. Oh. Like, I would do it in flashes, maybe. Just like yeah, you can, cut, you can cut scenes from like the previous shows or previous episodes, like exactly. Yeah, yeah. jeez, I always forget. Like you know, on the screen, you could easily do that. 
You'd have to do it like rapidly though. It couldn't be mm-hmm. like a long drawn out like moments. It would be like a rapid flash. And I've uh, lately right. been watching the originals because Chanel's got me into that. And when they do certain things, they show like flashes of images and it's just enough for the eye to kind of make out some detail and kind of get a glimpse. And then as the show progresses, the more the glimpse shows up, the longer it sticks around. So the more you can see and Again, we don't know what Matt's mind is like right now, but we do know it's kind of disorganized and slightly chaotic in the sense of the memory side of things. So maybe as we see more into his mind, these visions and images become clear as he become begins to understand what he's been through over the past year or so. Sure. Yeah. And then he starts to have a really strange memory. Um he starts to have a memory of him commanding a division of the Menethrian army called the Heart Guard and like going into battle. So I didn't know what you guys' thoughts were in that, but it, it's like a vivid memory that he lived, but obviously didn't. I have a thought, but I, I want to let you go first, Chris, and see if, you, if you're feeling anything here. I mean, it was both cool and confusing that he used the old tongue so readily and so fluently and kind of understood what it was. Like, in my mind, I'm wondering if he is channeling his past life or, you know, we start to learn more about how the the wheel weaves. So is this, like, the flow of time kind of laying over top of each other? Or is this something due to the horn and its use? So a couple of thoughts there. Okay. So most of those kind of trickled through my mind. But what I raced to and stuck to and wrote in the margin here was how does the healing work? Like what's actually going on? And the reason I was thinking this was I I threw out before like maybe healing is some sort of manipulation of the healing process and time like but on the same timeline so like you could speed up the healing process it has to naturally be able to occur but they can affect how quickly it happens but what if especially the way they did it using like was it a sangreal or whatever they used to assist like maybe this massive healing process actually involved borrowing life force from the different variations of map that have existed across the ages. Is that, does that sound too crazy? So by doing that, like they would become part of him and who he is now. Maybe that's why he was screaming that stuff out as he was getting healed because he was being connected more to that previous version of him. That's an interesting thought. I don't know. I might've accidentally done drugs. I don't know. That's <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, it, it is a cool thought. That's kind of where I was going with the whole layover of the timelines, but not quite as in-depth as you were thinking. So, Yeah, I don't know. Can't wait to find out. Yeah. Well, if I'm wrong on that one, I need to just write my own books because that's a solid solid thing to good theory. Good good little floaties moment there. Um, (laughs) So – yeah, he, he's also aware that he speaks in the old tongue, but although he doesn't really understand what he's saying, but he can, it even sounds like gibberish to him, but he can say, he, like, it's almost like he can now speak even more, like, than he could before. Um, or before he just came out, like, in 
lurch and he didn't even know he was speaking it. Now he realizes he's speaking it. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then he also realizes that he's super skinny and that he's been sick. Um, and he starts to remember more stuff. He tries to walk, but he can't really walk well because he's so weak. Um, and I mean, cause at this point, I guess it was like the last month of his travel to Tarvac. He was pretty much bedridden. So you probably have massive muscle atrophy. Um, he must be yeah. in love. You, you get this. Uh, yeah. I get so weak in the knees. I can hardly speak. I lose all control. And something takes over me. No? Nobody yeah, else? We, we, yeah, we would actually get this on the boat sometimes. If we had really long crossings on the boat, we would get some muscle atrophy, especially on our legs, because on a boat, we don't really, at least on a ship, like in the Navy, you do, but on a little small sailboat, when you're going across the ocean, you don't walk at all. I mean, it's like a 40 foot long boat, so you walk from your bunk to the cockpit and back. I, I did not need an ocean crossing by the fourth month of COVID lockdowns. Uh, and yeah. after I watched everything Netflix had to offer, I got up to go to the bathroom and my legs didn't work. <laughs> oh, that's, <true. laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that too. So quarantine will also do that to you, the, the muscle atrophy. Um, but then he sees a ton of food. So he starts to chat out. And like, I mean, when I say a ton of food, like there's a lot of food. <laughs> and he starts to just eat as much as he can because he's super hungry. Um, and while he's eating, this is when he starts to put together some things. So he thinks about his dad. He puts together that he's in Tarpaulin. Then he realizes, oh, crap, I said I. I don't like I said I. Oh, crap, Rand. Rand can channel. Like it's it's a really interesting way they do this little montage of, of, of a scene where they're kind of throwing in his memories coming back. I don't know what you guys thought about it, but I, I enjoy it. Up until now, it was left to our own imagination on what went inside, what went on inside of Matt's head. And this kind of goes to what Chris said originally a little bit, um, how impressed I was that, with the thought process he, he had and what his focus was. You know, there's the potential, the way he's been portrayed so far that you think, all right, Matt's just this blubbering moron that just in the heat of the moment makes decisions. He doesn't think anything through. But that type of character would sit down in front of this smorgasbord of food when he's super hungry after these, like, how many months and months and months of journey where he hasn't been able to eat like this? I mean, forget that he's starving because he just got healed. You, you would think that that kind of brainless Matt would sit down, see all this food, and be like, Oh, hell yeah. I'm going to put some butter on this biscuit. Give me that steak. And like, that's where his mind would be. But he looks at the food kind of briefly and just grabs some to, to fill that basic need because, you know, he knows he's hungry and immediately goes to the deeper thought of analyzing everything that's going on and the memories coming back to his head and figuring out what his next move is. So, Who would have thought he was so analytical? It blew me away. You You nailed it. Like... Mm. I would Very say cool. that it reminds me of you. <laughs> what? That, look at that guy. He must be a dumbass. And then you talk to him for more than five minutes and you're like, I mean, he's kind of a smart dumbass. <laughs> I misjudged him a little bit there. <laughs> oh, shit. No, he just got naked and jumped in that pound. I don't know. But speaking of, of being smart, I mean, the very next next thought process was like thinking about how he can gamble his way to, to out of Tarvalin. <laughs> like, 
because that sounds like a really logical, solid plan. Like, I'll just gamble my way with some money, right? Well, we don't know how loaded those dice are. We don't know how good with sleight of hand he is. Like, he he learned enough from his dad to know to always have the upper hand. He was pretty confident that no matter what he did, he would be able to make his way out of Tarvalin with what he had. Yeah. It wasn't like, oh, maybe I can. It was a shit. I'm getting out of here now that I have my die. Like, yeah. Uh, well, not even with what he had. He was even thinking about, like, I wonder if the Aes Sedai, or I'll be able to convince the Aes Sedai to let me have the ruby on the dagger. That's probably not tainted, right? That's probably okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> Again, like, he's he's scheming. Like, I, I like it. There's just something about that act of just, like, he was, in his mind, he was already planning his escape. He was thinking about the resources that he had available to him, where he could get other resources. Like, beyond the point that he could barely move and that he was hungry he was already on his way out of Tarvalon like headed home mm-hmm. I I love that Alan is trying to give Matt shit and I was worried I'd be the <laughs> only one defending him and Chris I like I really appreciate that like you you see some of the same nuances that I'm picking up on I'll, I'll love that. when well, I appreciate a hustler <laughs> yeah but so but he's doing it smart. It's not just unintelligent, unintelligent like a gangster hustler. When um, it made me think, when when I was deployed to Africa, I worked with a bunch of British soldiers. So if we have any former British military or current British military that are listening, you might appreciate this. We had this one rifleman that, as a joke, would just shout uh, "kit check" every now and then. And kit check is a term for literally check your kit. You lay out everything that you have on you, and you take an assessment of what resources you have in front of you. So we would be like right in the middle of a fake battle, shooting off a bunch of blanks. You know, some of our equipment falls off. We've lost some of our med pack trying to pretend wrap somebody up. And he would just come in and be like, kit check. And we would all kind of pause and lay out and assess what we have. Right. Uh, But strategically, it sounded dumb, but strategically it's wildly important. You have to do it all the time. Uh, And that's exactly what Matt is doing here. He's looking at what resources he has. What does he have control over? I mean, Alan, you joke about the dice thing or even the ruby thing, but what does he actually have? If his goal is to get the frick out of there, he has to consider all of the options, and he goes down the list. And I, I don't know. I think it's pretty smooth. And he knows where the money is. Bingo. Bingo. He's not dumb. Yeah, yeah. And Matt's main goal right now is to leave Tarvalin as soon as possible. Um, and after doing all this thinking, he looks over and realizes the, he's ate all the food. It's gone, and he's still hungry. And he's wondering about that, too, because he's like, I should be bursting at the seams how much food I just ate. Like, how skinny I am and how much food I ate, but I'm still hungry. Um, and at that point, that's when he remembers he blew the horn. And that's kind of like this moment where it like slaps him. He's like, wait, I, I, I blew the horn of that leader. That's what she said. Zing. Boom. Yeah, and then we come to the point where someone knocks on the door and the chapter ends. Anything we missed or anything? All right, so uh, I know normally we get Chris to read the cool stuff, but I'm going to steal your thunder because this is a Matt chapter. And right after... He thought about I blew the horn of Valier. It says softly he whistled a bit of a tune, then cut it short when the words came to him. I'm down at the bottom of the well. It's night and the rain is coming down. 
The sides are falling in, and there's no rope to climb. I'm down at the bottom of the well. Uh, and I know this isn't like a prophecy or anything super important. I th I think it kind of goes along to it goes along with what we were just talking about about him really assessing where he's at. And I mean, bottom of the well, no rope to climb out. He knows he's in a sticky situation. So mm -hmm. to your point, Alan, oh, the dice is a bad idea. The the ruby, horrible idea. Blah 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 blah. Anti matter. Uh, <laughs> he he knows he's in. I mean, he he's in a horrible situation. He's he's desperate, right? So, anyways, thought that was cool. Yeah. Any final thoughts on this chapter before we move on, or anything we missed? No, this is a fun chapter. I'm glad we're finally in Matt's head. Yeah, and we get to, we get to stay in Matt's head for the next chapter too. So it's. I, I will say, I, I know I've always said that Lan is the man, and Lan is the man. Uh, don't get me wrong. But Matt? Matt is also the man right now. I give high marks to everything he did and thought about in this chapter. Okay, good. All right, moving on to chapter 20, Visitation. And there's visitations. Is it one or two? I can't really remember. Um, it's yes. plural. Visitations. Sorry. So yeah, chapter twenty. Visitations. And the icon is the crescent moon with some stars in it. Yeah, it's which is somebody's symbol, sigil. If you remember from the Great Hunt. Uh, I don't know if that cute, but if you guys thought of that right away when you saw it, or I did not. <laughs> that's got to be. That's. That's the rat that died because its back was broken after the dreams. <laughs> gotcha. No? Am I off? Hey, you can't, uh, win them. Yeah, maybe, you can't win them all. You can't win them all. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so um, we start the chapter where the most beautiful woman in the world comes in. Haven't heard this <laughs> one before. <laughs> run away, run away. It's a trap. <laughs> it's a trap. <laughs> Yeah, um, and at this point, Matt realizes uh, he's naked, and there's a girl, girl that's really hot, like really, really, but she's like really hot. I hate when that happens. <laughs> I hate when that happens. <laughs> yeah, when, when, when the hot girl walks on you naked, yeah, it's awkward. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's winter. It's cold out. That's it's shrinkage is real. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't there like a TV show where they talked about like that method? Was it How I Met Your Mother? Was it that or like the like Barney's no. triggers? Seinfeld. Like, well, I know Seinfeld does the shrinkage episode with George, and that's hilarious. Well, yeah, Seinfeld does that, but then there's also another episode where I think it's on How I Met Your Mother where Barney was talking about how a way you get, get girls is just like when they go to the bathroom, they come back out and completely naked. Um. <laughs> I have never tried that one. Yeah, just like you, you, ne you never done that, uh, Ian. Really? <laughs> oh, well, I mean, I don't surprise them with it. I give them an option to run. I say I am getting naked now, and then I just get naked. So the awkward part is sometimes I do it in broad daylight around a whole bunch of people in public. Um, I've done it on. I've got. I've got naked on roller coasters. Um, mm -hmm. I got kicked out of Bush Gardens because when the photo was taken, I was butt naked holding all my clothes in my hands above my head. How um, did you? I really need to know how you managed. Like, 
obviously, obviously, you know where the cameras are if you wrote them a few times. So I knew how much time I had. uh, And this was on um, Apollo's Chariot. So it had the lap restraint. So it was actually what I did was I kind of sat up and flexed my thighs when they went to click it down. So I had wiggle room to be able to slide my pants off once we got going. But yeah, butt ass naked and holding my clothes in the air. When I left the ride, I was just kind of covering up my stuff, and they kicked me out of the park. Yeah, hey, how, did, how, think, how did we get to that? Uh, Alan, do your job. After <laughs> <laughs> 20. Jesus. <laughs> what about, what about the, time, the time in Blacksburg where um, you had to climb a house, like the side of a house completely naked, because uh, you took my clothes off, and so you're streaking, and then we took your clothes and threw them on the roof. <laughs> Is that the same trip where someone pulled a light pole out of the ground, and we started freaking out that the cops would come? Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. That was so great. Uh, fun times. Good old college shenanigans. Um, anyways, so, moving on. Um, and Wait, of course, hold Matt- on. We, we can't move on yet. I, I know not everybody can relate here, but those of you all that have ever been to Blacksburg around Virginia Tech, there was a bar called The Rail. And if you go well, to that top, bar, top and, the stairs. They serve the rail. Oh, they serve yeah. the rail. It's called Top yeah. of the Stairs. They serve the rail. But if you go in there and order the rail, it mm-hmm. sounds cool, especially when you're like, I'm t- I'm 21. I can drink. Huh, give me the rail. Mm-hmm. But literally, they go down the line of all of their bottom rail drinks, and they put a sploosh of every single one of them in there. So it's the most inexpensive, cheapest liquor, and there's like 10 of them that goes in this drink. And they magically add some other things so it's somewhat bearable. And in, I'm telling you guys, I was in my drinking prime. And drinking two of those will put you under the table. Mm-hmm. Even if you're a really good drinker. So anyways, that's what influenced that crazy night. Yeah. Feel free to edit yeah. all of that out, Alan. No, no. I had to clarify because I did two and a half one time. I did two with somebody I was competing with. We both quit after the second. And then we were like, well, how about we split the third? And then my clothes ended up on a roof. Uh, <laughs> she kicked down a light pole. The cops came. We ran. It was, I don't even know what happened. Then I woke up the next morning, and there was this super hot girl just standing there talking to me. And I was like, shrinkage is real, motherfucker. <laughs> Yeah, there's a couple of bars like in Virginia that have like those secret drinks that are put you on on your ass. Um, oh, yeah. I know, like uh, there's a bar called Captain Chuckamucks in Smithfield, Virginia, and I don't know how to get there by land, but by water there's a pier that you can dock your boat onto, and I think it's the only really way to get there. Yep. Um, yep. Captain Chuckamucks, and it's not on the menu, but they have a drink called Jamaican Jet Fuel, and it's overproof, like 151 rum. Um, and a drink that tastes delicious. Um, and it's not, like I said, it's not a menu. You just have to know about it. And you order like two of those and you can't walk. Dunsky. <laughs> You're done. So a lot of fun. Um, yeah. A few times I've, I've, I've done those. But uh, yeah, so good times. So yeah. And and as Matt's naked, the first thing that goes into his head is, I wish Ren and Perrin were here. He knows how, they know how to talk to women. <laughs> that still cracks me up that they all think that. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and she tells, uh, this woman tells, uh, um, uh, Matt to go and eat everything he can. Um, and he's like, I think I know you from somewhere. And she goes, uh, you might think, uh, my name's Celine. 
Uh, the, 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 the name shift. She's like, yeah, I'm just gonna, gonna change it up a little bit. Look, Whatever to be fair, is. and the reason the land fear and the tower prediction still holds is we haven't officially had actual confirmation that Celine is land fear. Hmm. All right, even that yeah. sounded stupid when I said it. That I, yeah. I tried. I don't know. Yeah. Okay, that yeah. one shot. Yeah. Lampier's there. Yeah, Lampier's there. <laughs> I tried. Once Chris didn't even save me, Chris got quiet. Chris got extra quiet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he went, yeah. Mm. You know, uh, he asked Celine if uh, Celine's Aes Sedai, and she says, no, I'm not. Kind of gets offended like she always does. Um, and, uh, you know, he's still getting his memories back. So he's trying to put two and two together, whether or not it's just a memory that's missing, whether he knows her or not. Um, it's just kind of this confusing scene. Um, and, and then Lanfear slash Celine goes into a whole entire bit about how the Aes Sedai are just going to use you. Um, so let's, let's, let's go to that. Let's talk about this. No, you, can't stop, you can't stop there. I'm sorry. Normally we want to go back and, and Chris, we might, if you have something, but because you said that we have to jump forward a little bit. She points out that the Aes Sedai will use you, but what did she follow up with? I will, I, will use you. I will use you too, motherfucker. And I love that because you know what? She has me convinced. I'm on Team Celine right now. I'm kind of curious, yeah. like, what land fear. I mean, I guess it seems a little darky and nefarious and, like, not good ish, but I don't know. We don't know enough about it yet. And she's clearly not. She's clearly not with Ballsy. And I think we all agree that Ballsy's a jerk, right? Screw Ballsy. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Chris, how crazy would it be if in three books it turns out that the Landfair way is actually the way we should be rooting for? <laughs> You've got to be prepared for that screwed up possibility. Because let's be honest, <laughs> our eyes to die, they don't know shit. They don't know where the seals are. They're fighting amongst themselves. They've been so screwed up for years. They've been infiltrated by Black Aja. Everything we think we know about prophecies and whatnot comes from them, and they're freaking wrong. That's true. All right, let me stop. Chris, yeah. you take us back so, to reality because you're sober yeah. and I'm not. So, no, but I can... Good. I completely agree with you. Like at the end of the day, we don't know which which story to really go with. Who is the person honest enough? But at least she was the one that's willing to say, "They're going to use you. I'm going to use you. Let's find out who you want to use you." And, and her, I guess, her logic was, "Well, at least I'm going to tell you I'm going to use you. Like they're going to yeah. use you and, and try to trick you. I'm not going to trick you. I'm just going to flat, flat tell you I'm going to use you." But at least I'm honest. <laughs> and, and she's also speaking to the part of him that I think is starting to come out. The, the need or the desire. <laughs> I'm sorry. I was just sitting there in my head. I was about to comment about how she's super hot also. And he's standing there naked. But I was waiting for you to finish. And you were like, well, she's also speaking to the part of him that's starting to come out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <sighs> Somebody mute me and let Chris finish. You know, the, the, am, the ambitious side of him, the side of him that is tied to his descendants as a man of honor and glory and 
he may not even be realizing yet that that's coming, but it is. Yeah. Okay. Also, that add add that last statement to what I laughed at. Um, I know. Yeah, but no, she does make that point, and I, so far, what we know of Matt, I don't think anybody would argue. Um, she's like, yeah, I mean, convincing you to chase glory is not like I don't have to put a lot of effort in that. Let me. I'm just gonna say, I'm gonna say, glory is there for you if you want it. Follow me. I, I don't need to convince you any more than that. Right. So yeah, also at this point, this is when um, Matt tries to think of why the Aes Sedai want to use him. Um, you know, he's actually trying to put that together. Like, why would they need me? And this is where Celine says, well, you're important, uh, whether you like it or not. Um, and then that's when Matt starts like, well, are you a, a, she's a dark friend? No, I'm not a dark friend. And basically she, she's a, I'm, I'll let Ian say it, but uh, it's what, what was, Ian's one of, catch, one of his catch lines back in the day. She works for you don't remember your catchphrase back today? I work for no man. Oh yeah! Oh my goodness! I do what I want. I work for no man. Dang! <laughs> I was overthinking that. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That was your story in college. You said all the time, like I work for no man. <laughs> yeah, but I I don't know. It, it, so there were things that she said during this chapter that I actually started nodding towards. Not like I'm convinced that she's working towards what I would call good. I still don't know enough yet. But when she started talking about how she works for no man, she did say there's at least one that she would kind of walk beside. But Mm -hmm. behind, no. Um, And I guess because at this point in my life, that's also kind of like, I mean, we talked about the dating app thing or whatever, and I'm considering the whole getting back into swinging things. But that's the kind of woman I'm looking for. Like, I don't want this. Yes, sir. Let me make you a sandwich like kind of girl. Like, that's not cool at all. Uh, and I definitely don't think I'd be able to handle a woman that's leading me all the way. Like I want to partner side by side. So when you said that, I was like, hell yeah, here's my, here's my dating profile. Hit like, please. So. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, and this well, is the part well, where she found oh, go ahead, Chris. You can actually say, I love how he got nervous about even suggesting that she was a dark friend. And that he tried to flip it real quick. Oh, no, I just want to say, like, you, you must be a lady. You must be a woman of wealth and power and glory. And mm-hmm. he really tried to to play it off really quickly. But at the end of the day, sure, she, she could read him. And you're right. She did state that she wanted to be with a guy who she could stand beside. And it kind of makes me think about the old Manethrin queen who, you know, at the end of it all, tried to save her people and did like she sacrificed everything and she didn't seem like that type of a woman either that's somebody to stand behind but to stand with so kind of alludes to that old story right yeah and this is where she goes and i will use you too but as we already talked about but at least i'll admit to it and and this is where she says, you know, do you think the Aes Sedai, do you think the Aerlancy will tell you that your father and Tamil Thor actually came to Tarvala? <laughs> and, yeah, um, you know, which, which putting doubts in his head very cleverly. She's very, very good about this. Like, like putting things that she knows that they won't bring up um, in, in a way that's, it's clever. She's, she's being very good at and clever about the way she's going about talking about it. Very manipulative. But at the same and, time, she's giving him a lot of truth. 
Mm-hmm. That Good. it hits harder because she's the first one to come talk to him after he wakes up. Mm-hmm. But I also have this crazy, screwed up possible theory right now that she might be the first one and the second one to come talk to him. But we'll talk about that later. Hmm. Okay. It's super great, great. Yeah. No, I, I'm. I'd like to know what you mean. Oh, that. Well, okay. So, remember we talked about like the number of Black Asha that got away, and it corresponded with the number of Forsaken, and maybe somehow that was related. Blah blah blah. blah. Mm-hmm. So then I'm also thinking like, well, what if there's a, you know, there's a there's a person that the Forsaken kind of. I don't know if they're like body snatchers, takes them over, or somehow it's working through them. Kind of like um, Rand is being, whatever, is channeling uh, Luce Theron, and Matt is now channeling this, uh, you know, Manethrin general or whatever, and Perrin is channeling some ancestral wolf or something like that. Maybe, maybe the Amberlin. Is channeling her some Celine or what's her face? This was her theory. I I put that on low probability. Like I'm I'm feeling that less than fifteen percent, but like I don't know. I'm starting yeah. to think of all the crazy shit now. A lot of possibilities here. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, maybe sure. So. Um... Uh, and then she says, remember, you have choices, which we have that well, good, good old word choices again. I was going to say yes. that. Like, that word keeps coming back. And she, he never really has choices. Like, she, I hate to say it this way. She comes out to being on top in this conversation in the sense that she goes, you know, let me tell you all of the information that I know, quote, unquote. And I'll let you piece things together as you start to learn. And then once you have a clear image, come back and see me. Like, there was no question as to whether or not he was. It was just like, I can't wait for you to figure it out. All right, see yeah. you later. And then she leaves very quickly. She's like, all right, got to go. Bye, deuces. And just leaves. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so Matt starts thinking about, like, what his options are. What his choices are, you know, once she leaves. And it, I, I love this internal dialogue he has, like, yeah, I could go tell the Aes Sedai. What would I tell the Aes Sedai? Oh, some lady came that wasn't an Aes Sedai and talked to me and, <laughs> and told me y'all are liars and you're using – like, it's like, what am I supposed to <laughs> That's not going to work. <laughs> I, I hope the Leaf Brothers get a shout-out here, and when he does this little dialogue, it's hand puppets. And one of them goes, yeah, great idea. Meh, see, so this lady showed up and blah, blah, blah. And they're like, oh, that's fantastic. Meh, everything sounds fury. I'm just going to leave now. Okay, bye. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just, yeah well, obviously, y'all could not see me do the hand puppet thing, but I just yeah. so you know, I was doing the hand puppet. Nice. <laughs> well, speaking about puppets, he t- she tells him, like, you can be a puppet for the Tower of Prey for Bialzaman. So Bialzaman's dark friends. So she's really setting this tone for. There's no duality here. There are multiple things or groups at play, and I'm another player in the the greater game. So I'd like to know who she's working for, if she's working for anybody at all. Oh, no, I'm fully confident she's running her own show. If she's uh, 
air quotes working for anybody, even temporarily, it's a means to an end. She, I feel she's got her her own agenda, like hundred percent. Right. Which begs the question, I mean, just kind of speculation here. I mean, Lanfear is a Forsaken. So how'd she become a Forsaken then? Now, all those years ago. If she doesn't want to work for anybody, like how, how what do you guys think? Do you guys have theories about that? Or Absolutely. Not? Chris, you got one? No, go for it. All right. Remember how I was talking about uh, Moraine and her willingness to potentially do bad shit to make good things happen? Mm-hmm. Right? Okay, so maybe what Moraine is doing is very similar to what Lanfear was willing to do in her time. And maybe she saw the writing on the wall. And she got labeled a dark friend and labeled a forsaken. But actually what she was doing was ultimately for good or what needed to happen. Like maybe her storyline. I don't know. I, I don't know why in this chapter... Again, it's one of these things I can't really point to specific lines, but something about this reading made me think, what if her storyline is actually the the good storyline or the way it's supposed to happen or ends up I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I'm thinking I'm thinking potential good things here. Okay. So I mean, are we assuming that the Forsaken were chosen by Bialzaman? No. Well, I'm not. Sorry. No, because like if we if we don't believe that, then it's we have to figure out how the Forsaken then are are really chosen or how they came to their power if it wasn't through Bialzamar. So I, I got the feeling that the term Forsaken was something that other people that claimed to be the sheriffs of good labeled them as. So she was labeled a Forsaken. And maybe these other people were labeled forsaken. And maybe some deserved to be called that because they were evil and some that served Beelzeman. But just from what we've heard about Beelzeman and then her and what she's saying here, if we're to believe some of the stuff she's saying, she's not in Beelzeman's camp. She probably never was. And, if, and, and again, if she was, it was only a means to an end. And so she got labeled that. And maybe she got the same punishment as them. But as of right now, if, if I don't know if I'm believing some of the stuff she's saying. I, I, I don't put I don't put her in the same camp as some of the other Forsaken we've discussed. Definitely not Bazamon. Yeah. Hmm. Huh. Okay. Well, um, so at this point, he th- gets ready to leave. He's starting, you know, trying to get dressed, trying to leave. Think about how much money he has. He's like, well, I got my dice. So there's probably a few games. Speaking of City, you could probably dice enough games to get out of here. And um, right as he's about to leave, the Armland seat and the Keeper of the Chronicles, uh, Leanna, come in. <laughs> Did I hear that right? Yeah, you heard it right. Okay. <laughs> yeah, the Armland uh, immediately tells Matt to get back in bed. Um, and he's like, I want to leave. Uh, and she says, no, you can't. Um, and goes through, you know, I've already told the, the, the guards and everybody that you're not going nowhere. <laughs> Where are you going? Nowhere. What do you think about this? Um, I mean, there's a lot of interchange going on here. You know, she tells him that he has to heal. The reason why they want to keep him, he asks why. And he says, well, I'm not going to heal you just to have you die somewhere else. You need to eat. And we need to make sure the healing worked, not just, you know, 
Vegetarian brother. Um, I think it's really interesting how she addressed him quite formally as her son. You know, they always, the ambulance seat is the mother and still she, it was, what's the word I'm looking for? Belittling. It was quite, quite belittling. And she wasn't even really making demands of him. She was just matter of factly stating what he was and wasn't going to be able to do. There was no argument. There was no conversation. It was like, all right, so these people know you're allowed to go about the city once you're better, but you're not leaving until I give you permission. And that'll probably be in a year. We'll see. Yeah. It's like a year. It's like maybe perhaps. (laughs) Yeah. And then again, they, 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 these two ladies that were there started talking as if he wasn't there, which, you know, when people are sick, people tend to forget that the person that is sick is there. So mm-hmm. that wasn't necessarily out of the norm, but he took great offense to it. Like, you know, I can talk for myself. And again, he was belittled, like, nah, no, you can't. <laughs> yeah. So, um, at this point, this is where Matt cleverly tries to get the arm onto him at his dad came. Um, you know, by, by what, how do you exactly phrase it? Yeah, it's like if I had been, you know, gone for this long, I think my dad would have come and at least checked me. You know, that'd be weird if he didn't or something like that. She's like, well, he did. Um, you know, it, but she hesitates. Like, she doesn't, she didn't want to tell him that, but. Like she, he dragged, he dragged, dragged it out of her. So right now, the the Amberlynn doesn't know who in the White Tower to trust, and the mm-hmm. people she's put trust in, she's not even certain she can trust them. But she feels like statistically, if she's going to trust someone, these are the people she has to trust, right? So uh, she doesn't even know. I mean, I I know I jokingly kind of said Landfear is the Amberlynn's seat is blah blah, but that come on, that's BS. We don't know that's bullcrap. So think of it from the perspective of she trusts no one and nothing. And maybe she doesn't even trust her number two that's always around her. Um, she has to already be thinking, has somebody already talked to Matt? Am I actually the first one to talk to him? What does he know? So they're feeling each other out. So that whole hesitation of, I don't know, maybe if she was confident about whether or not, or if he never brought it up or asked knowingly, maybe she would have never really told him about the dad visit. But this, mm-hmm. the way he brought it up and maybe the way he looked, there's that brief second where she's probably thinking in her head, she's like, does he already know? I can't risk him not trusting me. So I have to assume he knows. Somebody must have told him, let me tell him. You took the words right out of my mouth. I'm not going to sit here and lie to you. Like I quite literally, when I was reading through this and listening to it, she would not have told him had he not pushed the issue, and he did do so skillfully, which, again, surprised me out of Matt. But he's just like, yeah, my dad and my mother probably think I'm dead, so good reason to return home. Right. And then she gives him the option, well, we'll let you write letters. He's like, well, I'm half surprised he didn't come looking for me. He's that kind. He's the kind of man who would. So then there's the whole, like, all right, if I allow him to send a letter, he's going to potentially inquire as to why he did not come looking. So he's going to find the answer one way or the other. If 
he doesn't get a response back from his dad, then he's going to want to go. So she's really having to process through all these different scenarios since she had to feed him a little bit. Mm-hmm. And in feeding him that little bit, it is indeed to gain his trust. Uh, whether or not she thinks anybody else has spoken to him, I'm kind of 50-50 on that one with you there. But she does realize that she has to gain his trust and she has to do so quickly. And she's realizing in this instance that Matt isn't the fool that everybody kind of thinks he is. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm happy yeah. to agree on that point that she is, I don't want to say desperate, but she's certainly focused on maintaining his trust. Mm-hmm. She, yeah. Yeah. So, um, at this point, she does ask him if he removes the horn. And that's a little funny interchange. He's like, what little horn? What are you talking about? And she's like, come on, boy. <laughs> He's like, okay, yeah, I didn't blow it. <laughs> he admits to it. So, uh, hey, so do you remember having sex last night? Wait, what? Mm-hmm. In what? Uh, yeah, okay. What? Don't fucking play with me. <laughs> I know you know. I mean, yeah, no. Uh, yeah. No, it, was, yeah. it was great. Yeah. It was good. Uh, <laughs> where, where, my, where are my pants at? Uh, uh, I'm very surprised, by the way, that um, the ambulance seat did not pick up on the fact that Matt was alluding to the fact that Rand's dad should have been or would have been worried as well. Yeah. And that he asks about him, like that should have triggered her. Maybe we're giving her too much benefit of the doubt. Yeah. I mean, she did have black Aja in her midst and didn't know anything about it. And then when it came to the blowing of the horn, she did get really quick, really snappy with him really quick. But she knows the power that he now holds that we, even as readers, don't entirely understand. Right. But but also, but also. Letting Matt know that his father came around, not a huge risk because she has enough in her her hand right now. She has the ace of spades in her hand that would keep Matt nearby, not only in the short term with his hunger, but in the long term with, hey, I, I kept you alive. It would have been easier for me to kill you and then just handpick somebody to blow the horn sort of thing. So she has ways to control Matt right now. She doesn't have ways to control how information comes in and out of the White Tower. So if word gets out that Tam is looking for Rand uh, and it makes it to Rand, she has no way of controlling Rand right now and Rand goes straight back home instead of following his destiny. So she has she has more, more reason right now to withhold the, the Tam info. Yeah. And, and we're going off of, right now we only know that Tam came... Because of Landfair, right? Or Celine? That, that's what Landfair said, yeah. Right. So it's possible she was lying on that part. We, we always have to consider that. We have double confirmation on Matt's dad. I think it's safe to assume Matt's dad wouldn't travel alone. And you and I both have been like, okay, this is crazy that Tam has not showed up by now. So I'm, right. kind, of re- I'm kind of relieved by that. But still, right now it's only from Celine. So maybe it was a lie also? No, awesome, maybe. Sure. So after this whole terror horn interchange, that's when the Hamlin finally tells Matt about the link to the horn, and that pretty much, unless he's dead, 
Um, he's the only one that's on the horn. So I love need- the way she said it too, though. It's like I don't, I didn't think you knew. You were the first to blow the horn of Valera after it was found. For you, it will summon dead heroes back from the grave. For anyone else, it is only a horn, so long as you live. That mm-hmm. last little bit definitely stung a whole lot. Mm-hmm. And then even closer, so long as I live, you could have let me die. So not, she didn't, right there she gained some respect from him, whether he wanted to give it or not. Because she, he realized she had a choice which is, this is the first time there was actually a choice that was somebody else to make, and they actually had a choice in the matter. She could have allowed him to die and kept it moving. So then you could have had anyone else you wanted to blow it, and it would have worked for them. Blood and ashes, you mean to, you mean to blow it, for, you mean me to blow it for you, excuse me. When the last battle comes, you mean me to call the heroes back from the grave to fight the Dark One for you. Blood and ashes, bloody ashes. Like, he realizes that she has this job for him, but then he also realizes that he only has one purpose in this world right now. Right. Yeah, he's, he's in quite the pickle. Um, where He just wants to go home and be done with this, but now he realizes he kind of can't. It's his choice is either die or fulfill what he has to do because now he's linked. So from here, moving forward, unless something else better comes up to change this, can we just refer to him as pickle Rick? Pickle Rick. (laughs) Sure. Unless some other purpose shows up and he's just stuck here doing the Amberlin's bidding. Pickle Rick. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways. So (laughs) you you can call whatever you can call whatever you want. You guys, uh, you, guys, I, you guys suck when you're sober, by the way. I just want to say that. <laughs> really? I'm sorry. I'm over here laughing at myself. Every joke I pitch, I'm like, this shit's going to land. It's going to be hilarious. Chris, And then I hear Chris go, <sighs> and Alan goes, yeah, sure. So anyways, and then we're just, let's move on to the next topic. <laughs> uh, anyways. <laughs> just like that. <laughs> so good. So. Screw you guys. I'm going home. Then Swan goes into this nice story about her uncle, um, comparing Matt to his, to her uncle, um, saying, "You know, I'll, basically, I know you'll you'll step up to the plate because you remind me of my uncle. Uh, you know, he was kind of the same as you, gambler, carefree, but when you know when a house is burning down, he was the first one to run in um, and save the day. Like, you know, he still had a sense of duty. Do we really like now that we've been into Matt's head? I do feel like he actually has a sense of duty." Had that happened before us getting into his head, I'd be like, yeah, first chance in this man's out. Yeah. To be fair, I could still see him, like, getting his hands on the horn and, like, taking off. Being like, all right, well. I'll, I'll see you right the <laughs> <laughs> Yep. Uh, again, these chapters have set my mind at ease about a lot of things, but especially with Matt, because... I said early on that I related to Matt, and I did, but then I realized, especially early on, I risk um, I risk people getting the wrong impression of me. And, and uh, Chris, I know we've known each other a little bit, but Alan, maybe you can vouch for this some, like, uh, yeah, I'll do the wild card thing. 
yeah, sometimes I take the low probability path. Um, but I also feel a, like similar to what we're finding out now, like I, I weigh my options. I have an internal monologue. I consider things uh, and I try to be uh, compassionate and help others where I can. Uh, but anyway, so point being like early on as we're doing this, I was just talking to somebody else like, man, all these people probably have this picture of Ian in their head. That's like the college version of Ian. Cause that's what we've talked about the most. And that's some of the throwback stories. Al and I have talked about the most, but I was like, there's, there's a much deeper Ian out there. Right. Um, but we just haven't had a chance to talk about it as much anyway. So as this chapter comes up, I'm like, yes, now I feel, I feel vindicate. I feel better relating to Matt like this is there's definitely room for that type of person that maybe outwardly just seems Craig Perry go with the flow like just let's just do whatever's fun but also at the same time thoughtful and analytical like Chris pointed out and compassionate and all that jazz so I don't know I, I, I think people have, have seen this side of you and I mean at first people thought you're just a boot Ian and then if they watch the leaf cast, they realize, you know, you're just more than that. You're you're the dog bowl. And I'm the teapot. I'm a little teapot. teapot. You're, and, <laughs> you're the map that's deeper. There's lots of different different things that, 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 that you know, make yeah. me in whole. <laughs> this is true. Well, thank you. Yeah, that's actually yeah. a good analogy. I'm also, I'm also on ice tray. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and a vase, a foamy vase. And, and a boot with spiders in it. <laughs> a wakeboard boot. A wakeboard boot with spiders in it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not mixing that potion again. Um, Wink. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, you put a curse. Yeah, that's that. We're not going to get to that. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I apologize. Um, so, yeah, you apologize to everyone in the fandom. Um, apparently, if you mix Miller Lights with spiders in a boot and drink it, it's uh, it's really, really bad. Um, <laughs> So, um, you know, uh, tells him that he needs to rest, and Emily does at this point, and then she leaves. And, and it ends the chapter with Matt just kind of lying there thinking, you know, what is his best, best path at this point? Like, what so if the shadow spawn blows the horn, does it bring the heroes back, or does it bring others back? What do you mean? So I, like was, it. I was thinking it would just be the same crowd that came the first time he blew it. Yeah, but they're not really their heroes. They're not the shadows here, okay? Yeah, like would it bring back dead shadows, yeah. generals, and stuff? Like, oh, I didn't think of that. For each people, for like, I know we'll probably never find out because hopefully the horn stays in Matt's possession. But well, yeah, but we got um, to your point. We got hints. Way like, to break out the forsaken. Is this another way of freeing them? Like, could the horn be a key? Remember when Arthur Hawkwing was like, uh, yeah, Matt blew the horn, but when the horn is blown, we're drawn to the dragon. And I don't think if a dark friend or somebody like that blows the horn, that Arthur Hawkwing is going to show up and be like, I am still drawn to the dragon, but this time I shall fight him. Uh, That would be ridiculous. So, no, I think you make a good point, and I never thought of that. If the wrong person blows the horn, whose heroes are being summoned? Is it the person who blows its heroes that come back? Like, to, who do they consider heroes themselves? 
yeah, I mean, they, the heroes and that that want to fight for that. Jesus, oh, I don't know. I don't even know how to finish that thought. But interesting, good point. I yeah. just drop that in there because it's been on my mind since I started really reading it. I'm like, eh. okay. oh, yeah. yeah, maybe. I mean, and there was an interchange um, back at the Great Hunt about that too. Um, you know, um, that that Archer Hawkman didn't even really fight for the Hornblower though. He fought for the Banner of the Dragon. Remember, he came up in, uh, at the end of the Great Hunt when they put Matt played the horn. He shows up and he's like. Oh, hi, Hornblower. Yeah, we're not going to take orders from you. We're taking orders from him. Yeah. Um, so, just food for thought. Well, I mean, it's like, so when, who who would they follow or who would, who would actually come is the first question, and then who would they follow would be the second. <laughs> would it be the Altamont? I don't know. Like, I'm starting to group him in with the Forsaken. I don't think he's as special as we, as he's made himself out to be. And it could be also that over thousands of years that maybe just stories like telephone have, they, they just don't have everything, all the facts right. The sure. unreliable sure. generator. Alan just gave a spoiler, spoiler, <laughs> spoiler. Look oh, at no, him really trying not to let us go down the wrong path. <laughs> sure. You know what? Despite that, I'll go down it a little bit. So with that thought process, eh, it'd be kind of lame if we just find out, oh, Nope, they were wrong. Like they were always going to fight for the dragon. Uh, I think it'd actually be cool if the story takes a twist that somebody else gets a chance to blow it, and we actually find out, you know, who would come for the other side. But then Matt would have to die. Yeah, but then mm. necromancy. Like, there's always somebody out there that could raise the dead. Or is there a way to separate the horn? Maybe Matt can give the horn instead of dying from the horn. Or a crazy sci-fi twist. They bring in another Matt to this dimension from another dimension. And we're going to pretend like we don't have feels for the dimension that lost Matt. And we're excited that our dimension got Matt back. And and the Dark One does control the grave. He is the Lord of the grave. And remember, he's more powerful to you dead than alive. So think about that as well. All right. So, Chris, sidebar. <laughs> Alan, Alan, earmuffs. Alan, stop listening. <laughs> Chris, did he just nudge and a wink us? Like, was that a nudge and a wink? Yeah, I, I think that could, could have been. That could have been false trail too. Alan, earmuffs. <laughs> damn it! We'll, we'll take our wins wherever we can get them. Or was it was it a fake nudge and a wink, just so like him and all of his friends that are in the know can laugh at us as we? He is a dark one. He is a dark one. Anything he says. True. All right. It was a nudge and a wink. All right. We'll we'll pretend that he said something funny. Okay. Ready. Break. Alan. Come back. <laughs> <laughs> Alan, you're right. It's crazy. Yeah, I never thought of that. It's crazy. Sure. <laughs> sure. 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 Um, yeah. So that's how we end this chapter. So final thoughts. I'm all right. excited for more, Matt. As we all are. Yes. Relationship between the Amerlin and Leanne. Mm-hmm. Two times now. We've seen where in a very important conversation, Leanne was there, and at the very end, the Amelin finds a way to excuse her. And after she excuses her, first time with, hey, take uh, Elaine away, this time with, uh, what did she do? Go get more pie, right? Mm -hmm. At the very end, she turns real quick and goes, now on to business, and drops the real shit. 
right? The question is, is she is Leanne in on this with the Amerlin, and it's a way to manipulate who they're talking to, or does the Amerlin have a significant distrust with Leanne and finds ways to get her out of the room that makes sense but allows her to drop the real deal to the people she's talking to? And I honestly don't know which one yet. Or is it for Leanne's protection? Or are they like lovers? Is that what we're going with here? I mean, and that's a good one. thought too, but... I mean, it's a good thought now that I'm thinking about it, but... Now that's all I can think about. Damn it. What's, what was the question? Thinking more along anyway. the lines of like that whole ignorance is bliss. And I don't want to wrap her into this because she's too good for all of this. Oh. So okay. It's probably more the trust thing, that. but you know. No, I'm glad you said that. I was I guess I was getting to We'll get the benefit of the doubt here. We'll make Jordan seem like a nice person. I guess there's more than two options. Yeah, that, I guess I guess I wasn't considering that possibility. That she was just trying to keep her out of the mix because you know, you've, been a lo- you've been a loyal friend. It's not that I trust you or don't trust you. It's just I'd rather you just serve your duties and purpose and find pride in that and not realize how effed up everything else is. I didn't there consider that option. Hmm. Yeah. I think she hates that woman. <laughs> I think I think she suspects her as a dark friend. Sure. Chapter 21, The World of Dreams. So you guys want to know more about this world, and we're going to get to uh, learn a little bit more. And we got a new icon here again. So That's the rabbit hole, baby. That's the rabbit hole, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, 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 the, it's the, the, the thing that Varen gives her later, so. Well, we'll that. But, uh, so, I, um, I don't give spoilers. I don't. I don't spoil. I didn't Way to go. Say okay. to go. We're, we're we're gonna talk about it in literally like ten minutes, maybe less. <laughs> so, anyways, so it starts with the Gwen scrubbing pots. Uh, so we're in Gwen, a Gwen's point of view again, um, and she's being summoned by Varen. Um, and it goes to a bunch of description, like making her way to Varen's quarter, like just making her way through the the halls and. Aaron and told her that the door's going to look like this and all that stuff. So, a lot of description. So, I don't know if you guys were into that. I know sometimes the description gets a little heavy for Jordan, but uh, I appreciate it. Gives you a good mental image of everything. It does. I mean, I'm you know I'm always one for the description. I feel like I beat the horse to death, so I kind of backed off of it a little bit. But we get to see the punishment being dealt out. Mm-hmm. Which is always fun to to see. A lot of times, like the stories will talk about the punishment that's going to ensue, and then you get like a quick two second glance, and it's done, or you don't get a glance of it at all. You just know it happened. And at least mm-hmm. here, you're like in the corridors with her. She's scrubbing the. Um, she's been scrubbing. You know, she's working hard, and you can tell she's kind of over it. So. Yeah. Since her back ached and she wanted her bed, but Varen had come to the kitchen supposedly for a meal to eat in her room and whispered a summon to her in passing. 
So Mm -hmm. she's just worn to the bone, ready to be done with the day. And we're reminded that she still has other work that she has to do. So there's no rest for these girls. Mm -hmm. Two two things. Uh, One, uh, I I feel what you're saying, but I was at the same time disappointed that this is what we got and not the spankings. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And two, uh, more importantly, Let's be honest. After what Egwene's been through, does this does this like relatively does this even bother her anymore? Is this is this suffering? No. Is this sacrifice? Nope. Is this is this hard times? Not even fucking close. She's taken a break doing this compared to what she's been through. And sure. I don't know, I don't know if that mentality will play out, but like I, I did kind of think about this in this part where like is if we talked about it before if reading this while we were young, I think when um, Matt from the Dusty Wheel was on, he mm-hmm. made some comments about, like, man, first-time reader versus knowing what I know now, but then we also talked about like, reading it when we were young versus reading it as an older person. As an older person, I look at this and I'm like, ah, Egwene's got more hardships, like this isn't really an ordeal for her. I think when I was younger, I might have read this and been like, oh my gosh, they're torturing her. Like, this has got to be so bad. I don't know. <laughs> and I don't know if any of that really matters, but apparently some mm-hmm. people care about what we think when we read this, so that's what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah. So Gwen does finally make it to the room. Uh, she opens it up, and it's just like a hoarder lives there. Like, you, mm, got, you know, that was the exact same opinion I got. I was like, good Lord, if a, if a fire catches... She's gonna yeah. burn and all of this history and all of these because we we don't really know what all is in that room, but just based on the description, a lot of important stuff just gonna go up in flames. I I don't I don't know if you've ever been to this store. It doesn't exist anymore because the fire marshal finally shut it down. But there was Country Boys Antique Shop in Norfolk, um, where if you wanted to find like a random like. Glass obscure. door, obscure stuff to put. Like it wasn't, it wasn't like antiques. Like you'd think of like nice antiques. It was like if I need to fix an antique and I need a handle that's going to match, I'm going to go here because there's literally like piles of boxes of handles. Like it's it's that kind of antique shop. So super cheap, but it was literally piles of boxes like in doors and stuff just stacked on top of each other. Like and. There was barely enough – like one person could barely fit through these little aisles with like stuff like hanging over you about to fall over. And it was a maze. It was not any kind of organization at all. Like it literally was like a shop run by hoarders and they eventually shut it down because it wasn't safe. But um, it was pretty cool because you could find stuff. But it just re- – like going in there, this reminds me of that. Like we're just stuff everywhere. Like there's no organization at all. <laughs> I think it would be fun to go through a place like that even if I wasn't looking for something. That's my version of a Saturday at Ikea. I'd much rather do that. Sure. So, yeah, yeah, I used to enjoy going there. But, like, yeah, like I said, they they, they shut it down. I think the fire marshal came in and said, you can't do this. (laughs) Like, it's not safe. Because we talked about that one time. Like, we were, like, way in the back of the store. And, like, you're going through this maze. And, like, if a fire broke out, there's no way we're getting out of there. It's going to take 20 minutes for us to get out. (laughs) We're done skiing. (laughs) <laughs> we're done. Like, and it's a maze. Like, so yeah, anyway. Um, so 
Uh, she she notices a few things in the room. So there's a stuffed owl that's um, sitting on a lizard skull. So I had a question mark about the description of the lizard skull. If you guys recognize what that was, the skull. Uh, well, yeah, but it tells us later. Does right? it? No, 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 no. That's a different skull. Uh, this, but this lizard skull had a long. It gives a description of what could be like a crocodile or something. Yes. Yeah. So, but that's an animal that they've never seen before. So it's one of those other. Remember we talked about the first book, like nods back to the first age. Like, so this is another one of those type of things. Like, yeah, because we had a conversation that it could be so far in the future that it's in the past now. Right. Like, they're so far in the future that the modern technologies no longer exist, and that we've got a lot of extinct animals. And so I, I automatically, when I heard the description of that skull, thought crocodile. And then why would they not have crocodile? Or why would they be crocodile? And now it's a skull that she doesn't recognize. So doesn't mean it's extinct. And then it brought me on that conundrum of way back when, when we said maybe this is a post-apocalyptic world. Right. Yeah. So at first she thinks the owl is a stuffed owl, but then it blinks. <laughs> <laughs> Um, which I, I love that scene. I mean, I, obviously it's a cliche type thing. I, I, it's been done tropish. Um, you know, a bunch of different things before where a stuffed animal and then it moves. Yeah. Um, but I still enjoy it. I wonder if the show's going to like incorporate the modern meme world and like have it very obviously like a stuffed owl, like a toy plush owl. And then when it winks, flash to the meme of the dude going, get him. You know, just to fuck with people. Yeah. <laughs> you think that's how they're going to go with that? I, I think exactly how they're going to go with that. Um, nailed it. I think I nailed it. So, yeah. Um, and we see Varen. She's just talking absently to herself because she's a brown and that's what she does. Um, and she's just kind of going through all these old manuscripts. Uh, she starts actually reading them out. So I wanted to actually get your opinion on what you thought about that. Thought about these manuscripts. I'm interested to know what's in the manuscripts. That much is for certain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Heart of the Dark, Beelzebub. Name hidden with a name shrouded by name. Secret buried within secret, cloaked by secret. Betrayer of hope. Ishmael betrays all hope. Truth burns and sears. Hope fails before truth. A lie is our shield. I underline that I don't I don't have anything for it, but a lie is our shield. I, I clung to that. Who can stand against the heart of dark? Who can face the betrayer of hope? Soul of shadow, soul of the shadow. He is blank. She stopped with a sigh. It ends here. What do you make of it? <laughs> what well, what do you guys make of it? It's again, we don't have that omniscient third person. We don't have that narrator. Like, is Varen just constantly rambling about whatever's in front of her, trying to make sense of it? And this just happens to be what, what's on her mind when Egwene walks in. And so maybe it's irrelevant, or maybe it's very relevant. And it was intentional by Varen, or maybe it was unintentional, unintentional by Varen. But also still very relevant because, you know, the patterns tighten shit down uh, and makes it a point that it be read out loud when Egwene walks in. 
I don't know. But I did underline a lie is our shield. Who is our? Like, who's who's our talking about? And what is the lie? And what are we shielding from? That line right there. Fuck, man. I don't know. Yep. One, two, three, four, five. Five words. Fuck if I know. Yeah. Um, it, it talks a lot about the portrayal of hope and... Um, I don't know if we've heard Shamayala before. Yeah. That was Prologue, yeah. right? Yeah, Prologue. Okay, yeah. Yeah. I want to say that was... I mean, again, when we first read Prologue, Chris and I, Chris and I were like, I, I, don't, I don't know what any of this means. <laughs> <laughs> I think it means this, but I'm making that up. I don't know what it means. It just- yeah. Heart of Dark. And the fact that it's periods right after it's almost like statements mm-hmm. like there are separate clauses so it could just be a list heart of dark could mean one person like darkness mm-hmm. then Bialzaman and the name hidden within names shrouded by names maybe it's giving it could be one title or it could be titles of multiple people that they need to be watching out for. Okay. Something to think about. Well, Interesting. So, Alan, back in the day, you asked us, is Beelzebub the dark one? Is it all one and the same? Is he the ultimate evil, like the creator always existed? Mm-hmm. And, like, the original basis of good always existed, and, like, the, the dark one always existed from beginning. Like, is that Beelzeman? At this point, I don't, I don't have enough solid facts to point to, but I'm definitely thinking, no, Beelzeman is just another player trying to take over and get his and gain power. But, like, the the dark one... If, it, if it's truly the opposite of the creator and trying to bring apart, bring about life and goodness, or if it's or if it's the opposite of good, even if it's not the creator, the, the dark one would be somebody that wants that chaotic evil, that wants chaos, right? Sure. Um, Beelzebub is still trying to rule. He's still trying to have some amount of order, but just in his favor. He's just super selfish. Right. He's not the apex of evil. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Sure. But good good points, good thoughts. Let's put it out. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll leave it at that. So, um, you know, Varen then gives Egwene a bunch of stuff about the Black Aja, um, because Varen's now been let in by the Amelin about the about you know, these girls are gonna be hunters. Um and Egwene immediately starts thinking maybe Varen's Black Aja. <laughs> Trust her. Um, and, and, you know, and I question mark there as well. Because I know you, you guys have said that before. but I still don't think she's Black Aja. I think she's too caught up in her search for truth to be Black Aja. I mostly agree with that. But I just, you know, I always stay in that position until we know we don't know, you know. So I don't judge Egwene for having that thought because where she's at and with the knowledge she has, that's that's a fair question, you know. But but I I also don't think so. 
But I don't okay. know. Yeah. Um, and Varen also wants to talk to Gwen about dreaming. So this is where we, she goes and starts explaining some stuff we already know, but then kind of goes into a little more deeper about the dream world, which is um, a lot more fascinating. Um, so we finally learn a little bit, you know, so of course we had uh, the guys from Tucker and Riyadh on our podcast. So now you know where they got their podcast name from. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Different books yeah. to that out. But yeah, so Teleron Riyadh is the world of dreams. That's with Old Tongue. Um, that's fantastic uh, so yeah um but yeah so they you know it, and, and i love the way it explains it so it talks you know we've been to the portal stone world so we understand this whole that there's tons of different types of worlds um but you know she says there there's a couple things that are constant in all the worlds like there's a creator it's the same creator in all the worlds it's not different creators the dark one is outside of the you know he's imprisoned if it's prisoner one he's a prisoner all he's free and one he's free and all like it's constant. And then the world of dreams overlays all of it. Like kind of like a, I don't know, uh, like a, like a packing, like a packing battle that would, what would call it like cellophane that goes over all of everything. Uh, yeah. It's uh, some sort of glue that holds it all together. Right. Maybe a, all the worlds. So what's your whole thought about, you know, the world of dreams and the creative, the dark one and, and the way Varen's explaining everything, and I mean, this is this is getting more into this lore that we've I've kind of kept you guys from, but you're, you're now starting to dig a little bit more into this, this this world and how things work. I mean, obviously, it's just, obviously still just one facet, but what's your thoughts? Well, for, first question, and it, it's kind of for Chris, I guess, and and me, but I'm asking him to put him on the spot. <laughs> Uh, is this the dream world? Is this the same world where Ran first met Beelzebub? Where Perrin and Matt have also met Beelzebub or whoever? Where Perrin stumbled on to uh, uh, Landfear and she was like, "The fuck you doing here, bro?" And Perrin and the wolves and how they can exist in there and that they're part of that world. Is is this? this are we talking about the same thing? Is that all one and the same? Maybe, possibly. That is, is your the name, question, isn't it? <laughs> is your name Chris Allen? Jeez. <laughs> uh, but I mean, I, I, I'm kind of on that same thought. Of like that, that is the question. Like, are we? What are we seeing here? And to be honest with you, I do think that we're seeing one in the same world. Remember how we talked earlier about how maybe the sword that we saw was in the dream world and that we need to find a way to enter this dream world and get this sword bingo on the cover yeah so maybe that's what we're seeing now maybe we're seeing our door into this world and we need to get the crew back together and go on another scavenger hunt yeah 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 like i can't help but let that continue to enter my mind i was thinking it i mean it was your thought but it's stuck in my... This is how your thoughts stick in my brain. I was thinking it. Huh. Right here. Yeah. Okay. What's the second question? Because you said two questions. Did I? Jesus. You did. If I have two questions, you can't let me go on too long with the first question because I will forget the second question. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it'll come back to me. Okay. But not now. We shall see. All right. What do you guys think about the whole the Dark One, the Creator thing? I mean, you've got the dream part, but 
so this is where I was teetering before, where like the dark one is like the opposite of the creator. I guess in in my mind, and this is where I'm getting hung up, where like if I were to be an omniscient being that created an entire existence, like there would be a creator, and the creator's got to be responsible for good and evil, right? So shouldn't the creator also be responsible for the dark one? Because here's the thing. If the Dark One and the Creator are on even playing fields, like one represents good, one represents evil, or maybe, I don't know, we could spend too much time talking about what they represent. But if there's two, then there's got to be one above. There's got to be some origin of both. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of weird for me to just, I'm in a place where I'm trying to maybe just accept that in Jordan's world, there's a dark one, there's a creator, there's nothing above that, but I, I can't help but raise the question um, either they have this wrong, either Baron has it wrong in her explaining, or there's there's something more omniscient, there's something one step higher, there's an orig- original creation point or person or being, and then someone that is a champion of dark, someone that's a champion of light. I don't know. It's just the way I've been trained to think. Yeah. I like your explanation. Whatever, man. You're just trying to pretend you've been drinking by agreeing with the guy that's been drinking. That's fucked up. Hey, it's a cool way of doing things. <laughs> Let me take another sip. <laughs> so, at this point, Egwene knows the Trollic Skull. So there actually is a Trollic Skull in there as well. Which was kind of cool. Or freaky, whatever we want to say. Um, and then uh, we start to learn more about the world of dreams as far as uh, dreamers themselves. They can enter this world um, in the flesh. So it's a little bit different than just falling asleep and, uh, and going to a normal dream. This is, this is something different. Um, and, and Baird pulls out a ring and describes what it is and says it's a tarot girl and it makes it easier to enter into Teleron Or so she thinks. That's what she thinks. So the writing say. Right. She tried one time. She's a scar from it. So. Which um, she but, also cast a little shade on the former dreamer. Doesn't she? Yeah. She does. Ah, uh, should. Does anybody have that right in front of them? Because I meant to highlight it and I didn't. Uh, uh, anyways, I guess I'll, I guess I'll paraphrase. Unless you happen to find it, Chris, but. Varen starts throwing down. So I guess it's a reminder to us that we're working off of all of these big time air quotes facts that were being given by the people that air quotes know, right? Mm-hmm. But this is this is good insight to the fact that these Aes Sedai that are pretending to know everything, they're working off of fucking bits and pieces and breadcrumbs. Because <laughs> Varen doesn't know much about this dream world shit at all. She acts at sometimes like she's passing down facts to Egwene, but she knows very little about how it works at all. She knows very little about this massive ring she gives her. She even casts shade on the former dreamer like, eh, I don't even know if she was like a, a real dreamer. She like kind of dabbled in it sort of thing. So we don't we, we as the reader trying to see all of this don't have a lot to work with. 
uh, much less our actual characters like Egwene. God, I, man, hopefully there's some guiding force out there that's going to help her because she's not been given a lot of good stuff to, to go by here. Sure. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> hopefully, is that a prediction that she's going to get guiding force or that someone else is going to help her out with this? Wouldn't it be weird if after 15 books they just stumble through this shit and it magically works out okay-ish? Like, that'd be, that'd be ridiculous. Uh, we've got to run into something that guides them a little bit stronger. There's got to be, if this is that one lifetime, if this is that specific turn of the wheel, if this is that moment where Ran really steps up and, and all these other characters really step up, uh, obviously, from what I've learned so far, we're not going to learn about the real truth of things from our I said I friends. In, in fact, we haven't ran into any group of people that have the full answer yet, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But we have yeah. some people that have some good insight that still haven't even addressed the girls, like Landfear herself. True. Yeah. Gosh, thank. Mm, Who better to teach them than Landfear? Are you in my fucking head? <laughs> I, I'm just I'm sitting here thinking like who could guide her along this and may, maybe like Landfear doesn't consider herself an Aes Sedai because maybe she used to be like above the Aes Sedai. Well, where did we first mm-hmm. run into her? We we found her in this mirror world with the boys. Well, with Rand, right? And Loyal, and who else was there? Uh, here the sniffer. the sniffer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, she at least has the ability to travel through the mirror worlds and understand them, at a minimum. Um, the dream world, if we assume that that's where uh, Perrin and the wolves are tapping into, Perrin ran into her, right? And she was like, the fuck mm-hmm. you doing here, bro? Mm-hmm. So if she can exist there, she... Well, Chris, I think you're onto something. Has the potential to have a lot of knowledge about exactly. how stuff actually is. Holy shit, Landfear's the hero, the heroine. <laughs> you know, and you just never know. And that's kind of kind of part of my thought there. You and just never know. Not. Wait, do we know who's playing Landfair yet? Have we talked about no, that? That has not been. Not been officially cast. I don't think there's even any rumors yet. So, so it's not. So not, it's not a season one thing, huh? It could I be. There's a lot of characters that we don't know yet. So what? Come on. Yeah. Modern inter- yeah. modern interwebs and everything. And uh, yeah, I, I, yeah. should. Uh, I, so it might be a season two before we get we get a land fear. Um, so anyway, um, so we also learned that it's dangerous to in the world of dreams. Um, because things really happen there, that and, and and we've kind of got a picture of this before. I mean, if your theory is correct and Rand has entered in, you know, like when he, I guess, um, got the prick on his finger or Perrin, the blood splattered on him, and yeah. he woke up and the blood was on him. Like, yeah, those were uh, so. Whatever happens there happens in real life too, um, including you could die. Yeah. yeah. So. I think so. The pace we read 
affects the way you're supposed to take things. But I, I think I would think your average reader at this point would start to put two and two together that this dream world is all in one and the same that they've all been dabbling in. So yeah, he put a strong explanation mark on that. Yeah. Also, back to your point, the the hardest part about casting Lanfear as well is supposed to be the hottest woman ever seen. Like, how are you supposed to cast that? Because that's a matter of opinion, so people are going to be pissed no matter. Yeah, you know, so, true. I don't. I don't have Rachel McAdams' phone number, so I would have trouble doing that. But I'm sure <laughs> someone out there knows her agent. <laughs> that's agent. Uh, there you go. I don't know if she. I don't know if she can play evil though. Uh, you know, or, you know, at least uh, a forsaken. That's true. Oh, who can play hot evil and hot good potentially? That's a good. One. Uh, we can do this a whole other bonus episode for your casting thoughts. But so. oh, yeah, save that for a bonus episode question. Yeah, save for a bonus episode. I have so, ideas. Anyway. All right, so um, Val Kilner, it, the younger years. The younger years. So, so Varen, Varen, uh you know, gives her the ring, says, "Keep it secret, keep it safe." Pulls a little Gandalf there, uh, and, and then dismisses Egwene. Uh, and we kind of end the chapter with Vera then looking at the old papers about Teleron that she didn't give to Egwene, and she shuts the box and just moves on to other things. Like, kind of has this like look and like, hmm, okay, shuts the box, moves on, and that's the end. I'm I'm, tor- I'm torn about that, right? So I'm as the reader, I'm in the position where our main characters, as we have them right now, uh. Egwene, Nynaeve, Perrin, Matt, Rand. They are, that's your big five, right? Mm-hmm. They are going to do some shit. They're not just going to do some shit. They're going to do some, they're going to do some shit that people don't even know about. You don't even know, bro. So like, I'm torn. Do you give them all the information that's out there and just let them run with it? Or... Or is there a danger in giving them misinformation? Like, because we've already talked about different people down different lines over not even a significant amount of time. Over a little bit of time, the story changes, right? I mean, the main details are strong, but some of the minor details change. So maybe you fuck them up by giving them all of the information that's ever been recorded. But I don't know. I just I get I get worried when information's withheld from these five. And yeah. right now there was a little bit more info that could have been given to Egwene and it wasn't. Yep. And just the way this author's been so far, that's gonna bite us in the ass. It's gonna bite her in the ass. So I don't know. Yep. Thoughts, Chris? Uh, you know, at the end of the day, I I'm curious to find out how Egwene manipulates the use of the ring that she's received. Okay. And how she pulls in the others. I don't... There's no coincidence in these books at this point in my mind. So I'm just trying to figure out his play. Like, what's the next move? Mm-hmm. You know? Why? Sure. Why? Yep. Anything we missed from this chapter or any of the chapters? Chris's last response was not lengthy, but I think it's telling on him and both of us. 
there's a there's a part of us that um maybe selfishly as the show comes out and all of this stuff gets explained in more detail or maybe further along in the books we just we just want to be right we just want to know we just want to be in the know you know so <laughs> that's yeah well you guys are part of the head now at least the first season nothing should be really spoiled yeah so. but I, I want when the first season comes out i want to be book 14 smart like bro <laughs> they don't even know <laughs> they probably won't get to book 14 by the time she, unless they unless covid goes on for the next like 10 years <laughs> yeah it'd have to be crazy it'd have to be crazy. <laughs> yeah so we'll probably get a show sometime next fall I think it's uh, that's that's what I think it is. That's my own personal. They need to just drop everything they got right now. Just let it happen. Yeah, I think they're done filming. I think so. I may have a little bit left to do in April, but it's almost done. So anyway. So um, anything else we missed before we move on to like their characters? No, I think we're doing good. Favorite characters. Let's go. I'll go first. Uh, Celine slash Landfair. She won. She won me over here. I won't say won me over, but if y'all think back to where, like, my comments about Celine when we first met her, don't trust her. Run away. Oh my gosh, everything about her is sketchy. And then she's talking to Matt here, and I'm starting to think, like, dang, she's not trying to like crazy manipulate him she's straight up telling him here's the thing i want to manipulate you too but here's why and how and she's much more straightforward it just opens my eyes to that possibility like i said that yeah she she could be the way she could uh, be anyways it just the, the way the way she made me go ah here and really changed the way i was thinking about her as a character she gets it for me, big time. Okay. But not, but she she's tied with Nynaeve, because still at this point, Nynaeve is fucking amazing. Yeah. But Nynaeve wasn't here during this chapter. So. I know, and that's the only reason I didn't, but <laughs> I have to give her the nod. I love her right now. Yeah. So, Chris? Uh, I'd have to say my... Matt. 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 What's the other option? <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, they have Matt, the Almond Sea, Varen. No, 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 no. <laughs> I, was, I was talking to Chris, and I think we're on, like, at least for me, those were the only two potential options here. Exactly. Yeah. I, I completely yeah. agree with that. Yeah. God. Well, I, I know Chris. I should have yeah. said that. It's just a <laughs> It's okay. You can, but you can say that for you. I'm glad you said Matt, Chris. It, yeah. <laughs> there you go. So um, I know Chris was getting excited that we were on the, you know, doing three chapters and thought I was speeding it up. But next week we're back to two chapters. So um, <laughs> yeah, a, we're just doing, a, you said that. No, no, we're doing two chapters next week. Now, uh, now's my time to do a whoopsie and be like, but we been doing three chapters dude uh, the next chapter the next chapter is a pretty long chapter actually um so 
You keep talking about the long. It's not just about long. It's about what you can pack in there. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This there. It it's long, and there's a lot to take to to cover. I'm with one chapter. So, um, yeah. I mean, the the next chapter, the the name of the next chapter is the price of the ring. So it's a it's a it's a very long chapter. So we'll leave with that. Oh shit! Is it Wayne, the first of our five, to die? Nah, that would be too convenient. At this point, we almost need one of the five to die, so we could be like, "Okay, this shit's crazy." Yeah. Oddly enough, I don't think we're gonna get that. I don't, I don't think so. I, I don't feel yeah. it. He's not. He's not. He's not. He's not quite George R. R. Martin. We're just kills off. No. Characters. <laughs> I've but, come to that conclusion. At least he's not that brutal. No. Yeah, I still worry yeah. about it. Sure. So, um, yeah. Uh, any other predictions that you guys? Uh, what's one thing I wanted to ask to just make sure I know? For, you know, while well, it's fresh, anything that you want me to go ahead and mark down as a prediction for this episode? I still haven't let go of the not healing met properly thing. I think there's still the potential because remember the Amberlin said she'd be the one kind of like guiding that shit because it's so powerful. So ultimately she had, she could, she could tweak it one way or the other, right? In healing him. And maybe she had the potential to do it in such a way that still allows her to control Matt, right? So I'm not totally giving up on the fact that maybe he's not perfectly healed yet. Okay. Sounds good. Well, before I get my son off, one final announcement. And I wait to the end of the episode to do this just to make sure everybody listens to the very, very end. Um, uh, which, <laughs> which is, I want to announce our next guest that we're going to have on. Uh, it's not going to be next week. Next week, we do not have a guest on. But the following week, we do have a guest coming on. So uh, that will be the, the – we're recording on January 19th. It will be next Tuesday when it comes out. Um, and that's going to be both Allie and Gus from Will Takes. Uh, yeah, so. Um, yeah, uh, she's a first time reader as well. They just finished book four. It's a little ahead of us, but um, it'd be a lot of fun. Uh, with it. They're, they're, they're a whole lot of fun. So I'm excited to have them on our podcast. Um, I've, so, uh, you've, you've shown us, I've seen a couple of things from them that you've shown us. And yeah. they seem fantastic. They're, they're a lot of fun. And she, so. she, she's hilarious. Like, uh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so it'll be it'll be a great show. Uh, looking forward to that. So that's in two weeks. So uh, looking looking forward to having them on as a guest. And uh, we have more guests that will come after, uh, shortly after that as well. But that's uh, that's the next big one uh, for us. Um, other than that, how we can be found at the Wheel Reads, uh, you know, Twitter. Facebook, Instagram, thewillreads at gmail.com, uh, www.thewillreads.com, patreon.com slash thewillreads if you want to support us. Uh, we're always looking for more patrons. Uh, it, like I said, it does help. Um, uh, that's one of the things that I've, I've, we've been able to do all these giveaways. I'm able to do two giveaways this month because of you guys' support and uh, helps us with upgraded stuff. I mean, that's um, we, we are going to start to buy studio grade stuff rapidly here. Um, and, um, hopefully next year it's going to be a lot better quality recording. 
you know, things like we've upgraded our, our software using things like that. I've actually paid for some services to help with editing and things like that. So yeah, uh, that helps us think about Patreon. Also discord, join it. If you want to do the giveaway next time, um, you know, you have to be, you have to be a discord uh, for the uh, pick a number giveaway. So come join our discord server right now. Um, it's free. It's fun. Uh, we have lots of people, lots of first time readers too. Feel free to join. Um, always check out our merch. Um, and that's, yeah, the merch store. You can find that on our, web, our, on our website. Um, and yeah, so I think that's about it. Anything else from you guys? Until next time. Peace. Thank you for listening to The Wheel of Reads. See y'all next time.